and I'm happy to welcome you at this Novozymes Household Care webinar where we will uncover the science behind smelly clothes. Before we begin, just a few housekeeping rules for you guys listening. Uh, on the right screen, you will find a couple of options to interact with us today and with the webinar content. You can ask questions and we highly encourage you to do that throughout the talk. It won't interrupt the speaker. I will comply the questions and we will answer them uh, meanwhile to, throughout the session. We will also be recording this webinar and it will be later available for you on demand. Also, as a last thing, you can check out the handouts on the side of the uh, panel where you can download our white paper on why clothes yellow as well as a collected consumer insights on the unresolved challenge of laundry order. Actually, based on our research, we have found out that about 43% of global consumers regard smell as a primary reason for washing their items of clothing. It can be anything from cooking smells, bonfire, perfume, but most uh, often it's sweat and body odor. And consumers are struggling with laundry order. We've even heard that about half of global consumers report that their clothes have an unpleasant smell right out of the laundry, despite they look clean. So to try to unravel these mysteries, I'm happy to host here Dr. Chris Kellevert at our session today. Chris is a senior postdoc at Kent University in Belgium, where he studies skin microbiome, and he specializes in body odor and the relation of this to the bacteria in our armpits and how that translates to the clothes and washing of the clothes. So Chris, welcome. And um, could you start off by telling us what exactly is this body odor we talked about and how does it end up on our clothes? Thank you, Marta. Um, I can uh, tell you a bit more back background on body odor and body odor on skin specifically. And a source for body odor is mainly underarms. Um, we have, um, and there's two main reasons why our underarms smell or smell bad, essentially. First of all, there's sweat. We have a lot of sweat present in the underarms. We have eccrine sweat, as you can see here in this uh, beautiful video. And that is mostly water and salts. We have it all over our body. But next to eccrine sweat, we also have sebaceous sweat. That's mostly lipids. We have a lot of it on our forehead, upper back, on our scalp. That's lipids, and these lipids are also food for bacteria. And then a third kind, we have apocrine sweat. And that is only present in the underarm and also in the groin, the groin area. And that is actually destined to have a bit of a smell. Um, cats and dogs still use that. Uh, they go and sniff each other. Uh, as humans, we don't really go and sniff each other anymore. Uh, although that um, feature is not gone, we, we, we still... We still send each other. Uh, we, we, we can actually also send if somebody's healthy or not. Um, so it's still, we still use it. We actually use it also to, to find a partner even um, to, to determine whether somebody is attractive or not. Uh, that it, it is really it is absolutely not gone. Although nowadays we try to cover it up, we try to wash and then we want to avoid essentially to have any kind of body odor. But uh, to the underarms and specifically to apocrine sweats, a lot of hormones are also uh, emitted and that has a, a non-verbal communication. So but first of all, we have the sweat and that is basically the food for bacteria. And then we have the bacteria. Um, sterile sweat is odorless, 
but the bacteria are living on our skin and also in our skin. So here we have the, the skin surface, but we have a lot of bacteria also living in the hair follicles, in the sweat pores, in the deeper areas. Uh, those bacteria are very much alive and they're actually formed a modern niche and then they will also um, degrade and decompose the sweat that is formed into smaller molecules, uh, which then become volatile. And uh, depending on your microbiome, that odor can be good or bad. Mostly, in most of the cases, it's, it's a neutral or, or it's a good odor. But in some cases, and um, it becomes a bad odor. And uh, for some people, this is really problematic. Um, the problem as well is that the skin microbiome is relatively stable over time. It's very hard to, um, to change that. So once you have um, some sort of yeah, uh, microbiome, which is... Um, uh, and like uh, in, in dysbiosis, then um, that situation is also very stable and uh, it, it constantly produces smell over, over time. So those are the two main reasons why uh, underarms smell bad. We investigated a lot of armpits. I stuck my nose under more than a thousand armpits already. Um, <laughs> So we found out that the microbiome changes according to biological gender, according to sex, and also according to odor. So basically, um, men have more carinobacteria, more of the red ones. Females have more of the blue ones, more of the staphylococci. And that is uh, because men produce also more lipids on their skin. Men have more uh, hair growth, have a thicker skin. Uh, but basically, the higher amount of lipids make sure that that also creates a preferential situation for the lipophilic carinobacteria. Staphylococci are less lipophilic. Um, it's really carinobacteria which are really in love with the, the lipids on the skin. And as such, we, we men, we have more uh, lipids and more carinobacteria on the skin. And if you have more carinobacteria, we can also see that more of the red uh, part also leads up to more body odor. Um, and the carinobacteria usually don't come along. There's many different kinds of species along, among the carinobacteria. And they bring along other uh, bacteria as well, Anacoccus peptonifilus uh, moraxilla. These also uh, are, are known to create body odor on skin and underarms, and uh, they uh, it can go from just sour odor, can go from musty odor, can even be fecal-like, uh, oniony odor. Uh, there's different different uh, different parts that uh, that cause body odor, and it's also having very much links to diversity. Uh, the more diverse the underarm microbiome is, the more unpleasant it is smelling. Uh, and that is also linked with the carinobacteria. More carinobacteria means more odor, but not just the carinobacteria, they come along with other uh, bacteria which prefer um, that situation and are causing lots of um, malodor, malodors uh, in, in that, in that um, area. Uh, body odor is not really a black or white story. It's not either you have it or you don't have it. It's really more a gradient, as you can see here. Um, if you're more on the high diversity side, there's more crying bacteria, there's, there's more sour, more musty uh, kinds of odor. If you're more on the right, there's a low diversity um, uh, presence of, of uh, specific species which uh, can prevent bad odor. Um, and as such, yeah, it's a bit of a gradient um, going on there. And there's um, a couple of main pathways known that leads up to body odor. Um, this is according to current literature. Uh, we have short-chain fatty acids which are emitted through our uh, sweat. We also have long-chain fatty acids uh, which are decomposed by the skin microbiome, uh, which are 
part of it is fully catabolized, but uh, part of it is not fully catabolized. And the ones that are not fully catabolized leave behind mid-chain fatty acids and then are causing um, that is have a specific uh, sour or musty odor. We have a big uh, pathway also on thio alcohols, uh, which is um, from origin uh, apocrine. And um, there's sulfurous mo molecules which are produced and uh, are, are um, decomposed also by Staphylococcus hominis. Um, and there's also steroids which are um, thought to have uh, thought to be decomposed and can also have a specific uh, musty malodor. So these are the known pathways. Although I have to say it's still a bit of a black box, uh, also on, on textiles. Um, there are other molecules uh, also uh, which are not in, the, in this pathway, and it's still a bit of a black box as to which molecules are all uh, are causing um, uh, part of the aroma of body odor or textile malodor. Um, there's still much more to to discover, I have to say. And that's a bit uh, the background on um, on why um why underarms and our skin can smell bad mm -hmm. do you uh so i can take a few questions here from the audience also that does the food we eat change the microbiome and also subsequently then the way we smell yes that's a very good question and uh we've done a lot of we've done studies on this uh our research showed that people that consume more vegetables smell better and have actually also more staphylococci <laughs> Uh, more of the good bacteria on their skin and in their underarms. People that consume more meat uh, have more carinobacteria on their skin and also smell more sour, more musty, more unpleasant. People that consume also more fast foods also have similarly uh, more carinobacteria and more uh, stuff from, from more body odor. So there's definitely a gut-skin axis, as, as it's called, um, and that will also be reflected on, on textiles eventually. Um, in my opinion, there's more than just uh, meat and vegetables and fast foods. Um, there's, there can be other food sources which can trigger something in the body, which, which can lead to more uh, apocrine sweat or, or more uh, sebum uh, production. And that can also lead up to, to more body odor. Yeah, definitely. I can imagine eating asparagus definitely has yeah. an effect. Yeah. Yeah. But yes. also in terms of then uh, the diet and what people eat uh, in that line, do people also in different regions have different body odor, I guess? Depending on diet, uh, mm -hmm. absolutely. I've seen a study in India and there we saw somewhat, I mean, in general, the skin microbiome, the underarm microbiome is somewhat the same everywhere in the world, except there's some regions in India, I saw some things uh, which are different. Um, and of course, what you eat reflects on how you smell. Uh, so your diet can also heavily influence that uh, in, in some way or another. Uh, so the diet can can definitely uh, be of influence area. Mm -hmm. Yes. So and then uh, after a while, all this smell is getting piled up in our clothes. So um, why why do they start smelling bad? Not immediately, but why does it take time for it to build up? Yeah, indeed. Thank you. Um, so from skin, we go to textiles. Uh, all of that sweat, all of the bacteria on our skin also lead up, end up in our clothes because it's in very close contact with uh, our skin. Uh, and again, here we see two main reasons. It's the sweat and it's the bacteria. Without those two things, there's no body odor. There's no uh, te textile malodor. Um, apocrine sweat is a big source. Uh, sebum, skin discomations. Not just that, but also other sources, uh, soil uh, can uh, end up in, in, in textiles. Um, the washing machine itself, uh, this, this, that 
the, the remnant water and the, the body, uh, the biofilms in there can also be of influence. The detergent, the softener, um, the drying process—it all lead, ends up as um, so. Some, it all ends up as a, as a stinks that, that that can bacteria decompose. And then, of course, the bacteria. Um, first, it comes from our skin, but then eventually, there's other uh, sources as well, coming from the influent water, coming from the washing machine, coming from external sources, um, coming from the air. Um, you name it. So there's many. Um, many influences and also i need to note that um, on average we have yeah, hundreds of bacteria on our skin there will be a couple which are very dominant uh, on our skin um, and then all of those hundreds of bacteria transfer to to textiles and it's not necessarily the same bacteria which are dominant on our skin that will be dominant on textiles we see that specific uh, bacteria, which are normally very low abundant on, on skin, become very abundant on, on textiles as well. So um, on, on, specific, on, on textiles, cotton, polyester, uh, polyamide, you name it, uh, specific um, textiles will, will uh, harbor also specific microbes, but I will touch upon that later. So it's the sweat and it's the bacteria, and all of this uh, will end up on, um, on, on, on the textile. To go further on this, um, it becomes a bit complex because you wear it, your, your sweat ends up on it, your bacteria ends up on it. Then you wash it. Uh, most of it is removed, uh, but not all of it is removed. Some of it will remain on on, on, text, on textiles uh, and is not completely washed out. And during the wash process, you also um, introduce influent water, you introduce biofilms from the washing machine, introduce detergents, you introduce perfumes. Uh, that is also going onto your or onto your textile and then the next step is after wearing and washing you wear it again so it, uh, it starts to accumulate so um, what was initially there we uh, end up again uh, um, uh, adding apocrine sweat uh, to the textile sebum to the textile uh, our skin microbiome is added to the textile that um, also decomposes the microbes decompose uh, the sweat and the skin skin discomation um, and leads to certain odor molecules. Uh, so over time, you have um, accumulation of, of, uh, of bacteria, accumulation of biofilms, accumulation of sweat um, that eventually end up on a textile and are difficult or, or even not removed over time. So it becomes a bit complex. Um, so it's, uh, it's of course, your, your own body, your, your skin, your sweat. Um, and then again, how you're handling your environment. Uh, your food, if you have a toddler, then you know that food is splashed everywhere, uh, ends up on your textiles as well. Uh, your washing machine has a big impact. Uh, the air, the environment, humid air, dry air, uh, other dirty laundry will also introduce um, soil and, 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 and microbes in there. And um, then also and the, the fragrances, the, the softener, the, the washing detergent, um, it will all it will all have an impact and will, uh, introduce several uh, metabolites and several microbes which all interact with each other and to make things more complex we know we saw and um, research that uh, every single textile has its own preferential growth of bacteria so uh, cotton will grow different bacteria as compared to polyester polyester will have different um, bacteria as compared to to nylon um, so those bacteria that can preferentially grow they have specific enzymes they will decompose and convert uh, the, the different soils in a different way and lead to different uh, odors molecules 
Um, so that's it, it, it's, it's very much uh, a complex, uh, it's quite complex of uh, old accumulation over time in, uh, in, in, in laundry. So we have two things. Uh, one is microbiology induced, and second is physically induced. So physically, the metabolites um, from your sweat, from um, uh, from from the washing machine. Um, on the other hand, microbes from the skin, but also from the washing wash water, from your um, washing machine, the biofilms. Um, they will all um, they help each other in in, in decom decom decomposing uh, the, the metabolites into volatiles that can have then have an odor, and of course your textile itself can also absorb um, uh, volatiles can absorb metabolites in a in different manner depending on on which uh, on, on the textile. We have um, uh, hydrophobic textiles, we have hydrophilic te textiles. And that also has an impact on, on which microbes are growing there and which um, metabolites are present there. And essentially, we have a bit of a wear, uh, store, wash, dry, and rewear uh, cycle. Um, we wear the textiles. There's a lot of uh, sweat and skin coming off that goes into the textile. The storing is quite crucial as well um, because you're not going to immediately wash it after you you worn the textile. So during that storage, uh, we have preferential growth of bacteria and decomposition of uh, of sweat and 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 precursors of odor molecules into odor. Then the washing uh, is is quite crucial. You need to remove as much as possible from all the sweat and the bacteria there. The drying is also very important. Uh, slow drying versus fast drying. And then we rewear re again. And over time, we have uh, this cycle of coming back. Uh, the problem will not be the first time you wear, store, wash, and dry it. Uh, probably also not the second time, but over time, that will lead up to a certain buildup of, of, of uh, malodor. So this is also in a circular manner. Uh, the first wear, the second wear, the third wear. Uh, every time you introduce uh, different um, different uh, microbes are are, are 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 preferentially grown. Different molecules are introduced um, with the washing. Uh, fortunately, a lot of is removed, but not all. Um, and basically, also in the washing, there's a there's a whole bunch of mixture going on there. Uh, so the the smelly stocks that you have, those odors and those bacteria can also lead up on your t-shirt. Um, so, so over time, uh, the first time you wear it, the second time you wear it, it will not be prone. The third one, probably also not. But after X amount of time, uh, that will lead to a certain mulder, uh buildup um, for specific textiles. Some textiles really never get any, develop any odor. But for, for, for some household and some textiles, that can really be a big problem. Okay, so what you're really saying that is that it takes a long time for this malodor to build up. And actually, we should already start fighting against it when we buy new clothes and if you don't have a problem yet. Yeah. But, uh, but then again, if this is happening to everyone and we all have these microbes, why do then some people smell more than others? Um, is it something to do with the genetics or, uh, or something uh, to do with the different uh, lifestyle or habits we have? Or I guess what you're going to say is the bacteria, right? The microbiome, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, there's many influences. The microbiome has an impact. Um, what you eat is an impact. Uh, your environment has an impact. The household itself, uh, your family members have an impact. Uh, how you treat your clothes, uh, if you if you have do, uh, if you work in the field, uh, have an impact. 
Um, but for, yeah, first, I want to quickly touch upon uh, what kind of microbiome is present on your know, textiles themselves. So essentially, yeah, without microbes, you don't have odor, right? Um, it's really the microbes that have the enzymes that will lead to decomposition of those molecules into odorous uh, substances. Uh, so the microbiome plays a crucial role here. Um, and I first want to touch upon what kind of microbiome is present on, on, uh, on, on textiles. What we see is when freshly worn, the textiles have um, a microbiome which is quite similar to the skin microbiome. So we see here the men on top, the females on below. Um, men have more bacteria, more orange. Females have more staphylococci. We saw, we saw that before. And that also ends up in a similar way on, on textiles. Um, Although it's not exactly the same, uh, so we've taken uh, chest samples here, we've taken lower back, upper back, uh, left armpit, right armpit, um, and the samples that were taken in clothes here were also taken in the underarm region uh, of, of the T-shirt. Of the um, so if, essentially you would suspect that uh, the same microbiome as in armpits was coming back in clothes, more or less, but still we see a, a difference uh, present there. This is a PQA plot, and uh, every dot is in a sample. Um, the more closer they are together, the more similar they are, the more further they are apart from each other, the more uh, dissimilar they are in terms of diversity, structure, composition. Um, I can hypothesize that the purple one on the top left will be completely different or rather different than the red one uh, below. Uh, the red one below is basically back samples. The blue ones are chest samples, while the purple ones on top uh, are armpit samples. And these quite, uh, doesn't matter, male or female, they cluster quite uh, closely together on top. Um, so the, the structure, composition, diversity is rather similar there. Um, but the yellow dots that you can see here uh, scattered throughout is not exactly on together with those uh, with the purple uh, dots. They're more uh, similar to the, the chest and the back samples. Um, so we see a relatively a bit, a bit of a higher diversity presence uh, on, in, on, on, on cotton. Also because of uh, there's, there's distance between the underarm and there's also other conditions uh, present there. There's a lower amount of water present there. And that also leads up uh, to a difference. And we see indeed that the diversity is also different between the clothes and, and the underarm uh, skin region. Uh, so we see a higher diversity present there uh, on the clothes of, of, uh, of, of, the, of textiles and the underarm region. So um, it's not exactly the same, but there's a uh, big overlap. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting. So our skin microbiome can almost be like a fingerprint that we can be identified with. And uh, actually our clothes might not share the same microbiome. That's what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, everybody mm -hmm. has a unique microbiome, but uh, the, the, the dominant ones, we, we see them coming back everywhere throughout the world. Um, so, but yeah, everybody's quite unique and uh, in general, it's quite stable over time. Although, of course, from day to day, from month to month, uh, there might be uh, subtle differences. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. But uh, so what about the fabrics that the clothes are made of? You mentioned already once a little bit the difference between cotton and polyester being different. Um, there was also a question in the audience about uh, about wool, that uh, why there is less or almost no smell on wool textiles. I've also heard that you should wear those wool socks when hiking because they won't smell so much. So uh, what other explanation is there that the textiles are different? Yeah, and they're warm. So that's, uh, that's very yeah, nice. That's good. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, thanks for that question. Uh, and indeed, um, 
different textiles harbor different microbiota. Um, so we saw when freshly worn, the microbiome is more or less similar to the skin microbiome. But the moment you incubate, and this is an experiment where we uh, first waited for 28 hours a day and a night before uh, testing further. Uh, so we basically incubated that uh, to see what the difference is. Big difference that we saw here is between cotton and polyester, there's a big older difference between uh, those two, between a cotton uh, natural fiber and a synthetic polyester fiber. We saw that synthetically, synthetic fibers polyester were significantly smelling worse, was smelling more intense, was smelling more musty, was more, smelling more like ammonia, more strong, more sweaty, and more sour as compared to cotton. It was quite significant and, and uh, a significant difference and quite striking that, uh, that that such a big difference was was present there. But that was also due to the incubation at, at room temperature. Um, and what we also verified, uh, we saw in, in terms of microbiome, that was also a, a difference there. We saw that micrococcoli were uh, able to grow much better on synthetic fibers as compared to cotton. This is a study from 10 years ago, and this is also a DGGE um, analysis. Uh, probably many of you don't know it anymore, uh, but before uh, next generation sequencing, this was uh, the thing to do. Every band represents uh, bacterial species. Um, we've retaken this study already, and uh, okay, micrococi can be of influence on synthetic fibers, but there's also many other uh, bacteria which are uh, of importance there. But I just want to point out that um, the next one here, um, we did a study that uh, on, on seven different uh, textiles, and uh, we, we, we incubated uh, five main skin uh, strains there, and we just want to see, you know. Does it grow well on it? Does it not grow well on it? Uh, and below you can see the, the legend. So or yellow means uh, there's no, absolutely no uh, change over time uh, after 24 hours. Um, if it's green, there's there's growth going on. One log is tenfold increase. Uh, two log is a hundredfold increase. Three log is a, a thousandfold increase in, in bacterial growth. And if it's orange or red, then there's a decrease going on. Uh, bacteria cannot grow very well or they're, uh, they're being killed off, um, essentially. And what we notice here is that, for instance, on nylon, uh, propionibacterium can grow really well. Um, it's known, eh, as if you wear nylon socks, that it can lead to a certain distant, strong, sour scent. And that's because um, the sweat is being decomposed by propionibacterium cutibacterium into uh, propionic acids, uh, which has a sharp, uh, sour scent. Um, we saw again that uh, micrococcus could grow well on polyester. Um, uh, wool actually harbors a lot of, uh, can grow a lot of different uh, microbes. Uh, and that's quite interesting because you think, okay, more bacterial growth means more odor in theory, but uh, in, in practice, that means every microbe can grow. Uh, while for, for instance, polyester, it, it can grow specific bacteria really well. And if, if on wool all bacteria grow well, then uh, it means that uh, the whole microbiome is, uh, is sustained and, and, and not really the bad ones will come up and, and will uh, uh, be of impact there. Because um, in, in, in older generation, you really need, uh, it's depending on what enzymes are present, what microbiome is present there. If you have all the enzymes present there, then the whole the odorous molecules are completely catabolized. If, if it's just some uh, enzymes, some uh, bacteria present there, then it's, um, and if that microbiome is very poor at, uh, at, at de uh, deconverting it, then you have unconverted molecules left behind, and that can have um, a specific molecule. 
so the specific every textile has a, has a very specific um, differentiation growth. That's uh, important to take into account. Um, that has a big impact. We listed also um, what is known in literature recently um, of which molecules are present on textiles and also try to find a link with the microbiome. Uh, we found uh, fatty acids, we found steroids, we found um, sulfurous compounds, ketones, uh, esters, aldehydes and, and other molecules. Um, the link with uh, the microbiome is sometimes known, but mostly it's not. I must say it's still a bit of a black box. Um, there's still a lot that we don't know uh, which microbes are, are also um, associated with um, with the older generation, with specific older generation. Uh, we're doing more studies on this, but uh, there's still a lot to discover, I have to say. Okay, that is, uh, that is interesting. And actually, I would like to double click on a few of the things you mentioned here. And also the audience is interested to know is that, uh, okay, different fabrics, they can enrich microbes differently. But then what about this fabric treatments, the silver covering and the other antibacterial treatments that are on fabrics? How does that have an effect on, uh, on any of the, the items that we are, uh, we are smelling or using? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, and we did a study on that. Uh, we did a study on that in San Diego, where we investigated um, nano-silver treated uh, T-shirts and we did uh, the exact same analysis with exactly the same t-shirt, but not uh, silver treated. Uh, the idea is with uh, nano-silver treated t-shirt is that it's anti-odor, antibacterial, and that it would um, diminish the microbial load and as such create less of, a, of an odor. However, in our study, we found um, that the skin microbiome actually increases. So the biofilm, there's a bit of biofilm formation uh, on skin. So we... Um, we investigated uh, upper back, lower back, um, skin, chest, underarms, uh, and we found uh, that the, the silver shirts uh, um, led to significantly more bacteria on our skin as compared to the non-silver shirts, which was quite striking, I have to say. Um, it's counterintuitive. Uh, we would expect less bacteria, but I think the practice is that what well, is around 5% of nanosilver in the t-shirts, uh, it's relatively low um, antimicrobial uh, composition present there and our skin on average we have a trillion of bacteria on our skin um, so you the skin always wants to have a microbiome and the microbiome also always wants to grow there uh, so in reaction to it it's it's forming some sort of um, poly polysaccharides poly uh, some sort of biofilm in, in protection against those low levels of, of uh, anti um, microbial conditions so as such yeah people also said when they wore those t-shirts they said okay it feels a bit slick it feels a bit uh, yeah um yeah a bit, a bit slick um there's also one or two people that developed some acne on their back uh during this experiment um so there we yeah it did have a um, bit of an impact um although most don't really notice anything but um yeah some people really noticed uh yeah, more slick feeling on, on skin because of more higher bacterial growth on, on skin. So you wouldn't recommend it actually to keep your skin health in mind to use yeah. this? Just use regular. Um, and I also want to quickly uh, add that the impact of uh, of this was also 
sorry, it was also the highest when the contact with the shirt and the skin was the highest. So on your back, there's a lot of friction mm -hmm. uh, between um, your, your shirt, uh, your t-shirt and, and the skin. So there the impact was more significant. Uh, and it was, for instance, not significant on the skin where it's more loose in, in front. Um, and it was also significant on the clothes themselves. And we found an impact for the microbiome. It was it was present. It was not huge, but it was it was there. Uh, but we saw also a big impact on the metabolome. So we investigated the with untargeted metabolomics uh, with LCMS. We investigated uh, what kind of metabolites are, are, are present there. And this is a, a plot. On the y-axis is the ratio of silver uh, shirts to non-silver. So the red ones are basically. Um, uh, metabolites which are much more commonly present on the silver shirts and the ones on the right, uh, the blue ones on the right are much more commonly present on the non-silver shirts. And we found a lot of monounsaturated fatty acids which are um, highly abundant on, um, on, on silver shirts. And that means that uh, the sebum, which we have a lot, a lot of production on, on upper back, is basically decomposed in a different way. Um, and we saw that, for instance, if you look on the right, uh, on, on time point zero, that's a non-silver shirt. On time point one to three, that's a silver shirt. Uh, time point four, five, six is again a non-silver shirt. And again, seven, uh, eight, nine is a silver shirt. Uh, only during the silver shirt, you can see the increase of those uh, polymethylic acids of these monosaturated fatty acids. So it goes down again when uh, the non-silver shirt is, is used. So it really is, has an impact with... Um, due to um, uh, the, the shirt phase. Uh, we could link it up partly with uh, a bacterium called cutibacterium, which is commonly present on the sebaceous area. Um, and cutibacterium um, is sometimes also linked with acne formation. And we know that one person also uh, developed more acne in, the, in, the, in, the, in this uh, experiment. Uh, so cutibacterium um, can, can, up, can be upregulated during that phase. And can basically uh, decompose sebum into uh, molecules which are dissimilar as compared to the non. Uh, yeah, the, basically the sebum is decomposed in another way. Does that also have an impact on what would be the stains of the sebum coming from, or you haven't looked into that? Well, you you'd rather want the sebum be completely converted into yeah CO two and, yeah. and lactic acid and or or uh, or. or um, uh, yeah, acetic acid, so very short uh, molecules, uh, but it's really the, the mid and the long chain, the mid chain fatty acids that can have an odor. And also the longer it is, the more yellow it's, it's going to be. Mm -hmm. So you want your sebum to be fully converted um, and not uh, be left behind. In, uh, yeah. In, yeah. So that, uh, that definitely has an impact. Yeah, definitely, though, I will not use those shirts. But uh, there's also a question from audience about another type of sports shirts that have those uh, keep try claims. I think Nike has a lot of them. Have you looked into that? Does that have any effect? Keep dry. I think that means that uh, they um, use textiles which are very apolar. So, the, so no, no water will be absorbed, basically. And that means you yeah, have very synthetic textiles, polyester-like uh, textiles, you will not see any visible moisture on, 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 the, on, the, on the shirt. Um, but we know from experience already that specifically synthetic textiles are very prone to odor development. And we know, also know yeah, there's a difference between cotton and polyester. Cotton is a, very, is a natural fiber. 
uh, is very good at absorbing um, odor, very good at absorbing moisture. Polyester, on the other hand, is basically interwoven plastic. Uh, it's 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 very apolar. If you throw water on it, it will it will you know, it will not absorb at all. It's also very poor at absorbing odors. And moreover, um, the lipids that come from our skin, the sebum, the apocrine sweat, uh, we have a lot of apolar uh, compounds uh, coming off of our skin. They will attach very much better on on synthetic textiles as compared to cotton. Uh, also in the washing machine, they will adhere much better uh, and will much more. It will be much more difficult to remove in the washing process. While on natural fibers, uh, it will be more easy to uh, to rinse it off. Um, so the type of textile also has a plays a big role there. Um, I didn't really do the study on on the Nike uh, shirts, but I can also uh, hypothesize that uh, that yeah, the type of fiber will, will will also have an impact on on, on the yellowness, on the older generation, and on, yeah, uh, yeah, the, the freshness in general. That, uh, yeah. And now you already mentioned once uh, about this washing habits. So let's imagine that I have all of these polyester shirts that have a lot of uh, sweat on and I put them in wash with my regular clothes, what will happen? Yeah, good question. Yeah. yeah. So um, uh, the laundry habits have changed a lot. Um, I put here a scale of 100 years. I think a lot changed after the Second World War, but most of it changed in the years 90. Uh, sustainability was very important there. Before the 90s, uh, most of us uh, used a higher wash temperature. Uh, we, we used a powder washing detergent. Um, most of it contained bleach, contains uh, oxidative agents, uh, or essentially chemical-based uh, detergents. Nowadays, we, it's very hard to find that still. Okay, maybe in whitewash, uh, but it's in general quite quite hard to find that. Most of it is now, uh, it's now liquid washing detergents. They do not contain bleach anymore. Uh, they do not uh, necessarily contain oxidative agents. It's all enzyme-based, uh, and yeah, bleach and enzyme they do not go together. Um, so essentially, they're eco-friendly conditions. This is very good for the environment, very good in terms of energy um, efficiency. Uh, but that also had a big impact on on the, on the washing uh, efficacy. Um, the problems really came up uh, since the 90s, I would say, um, with, with permanently smelling clothes, uh, yellowness, um, which are is hard to remove. Back in the days, it was less of a problem because of uh, the conditions that we used then. Now it's more of a problem. Uh, we use we live also smaller. We can't hang them out in the, in the sun anymore. Sun is very, very, very good at, uh, at, at killing bacteria. UV is very efficient also at, uh, at, at removing um, yellow uh, compounds. How many people still hang out uh, clothes in the sun? You know, um, so that also has a has a big impact. So we did a, did a study on this um, on the wash process itself, and uh, first of all, uh, we investigated um, the the microbiome and the effluents. Uh, most of us we were a bit busy with laundry, but uh, for an outsider, for a consumer, he thinks, okay, we wash it and then it's clean, right? It's all sterilized, uh, but that's not the case at all. We've retrieved a lot of bacteria, uh, living bacteria, after washing. Um, basically, we did that based on flow cytometry. Uh, we enumerated the, the, the life and the dead um, uh, bugs. We also did plating uh, to double check, but uh, flow cytometry is now yeah, becoming the gold standard to enumerate uh, microbiota. Uh, you can easily do like dead staining. 
and we could see that uh, yeah the, the the square dots um, are higher than the round dots so the effluent water contains much more living bacteria as influent water um, and so we see a lot of living bacteria coming out of the laundry process uh, of course that's bacteria coming from your laundry from from the from the from from, from the clothes themselves but also bacteria that were already in um, the washing machine or coming from the influent water um, so that's that's one thing to point out the bacteria are not killed at all and moreover we saw that there's actually a microbial mixture and selection going on in washing machines we did a study um, where we um, we analyzed the microbiome in influent water analyzed the microbiome in influent water but also a clean cotton uh, pieces of textile that we added to normal laundry loads a couple of socks a couple of underwear couple of t-shirts, uh, pants, uh, sweater, uh, in different households, analyzed uh, clean cotton uh, um, piece of textiles before and after laundry process. And what we can see in the water, we see that um, water-related bacteria will be in influent water, but also in effluent water. So water-related bacteria go into the water, and we see that on cotton, it also selects specific yeah, laundry and, and textile-related um, uh, microbes so the ones the staphylococci and, and the specific bacteria that like to be present on on, on textiles they will also be um, very much present after the laundry process themselves so we wash at 30 degrees uh, at, at, uh, which is perfect conditions anybody that grew bacteria in the lab knows that there are perfect conditions to grow bacteria um, uh, so even at 20 degrees uh, they can definitely survive and 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 and, and, and proceed and um, it's, it's also important to know that the washing machine uh, also contains a lot of uh, parts which are constantly underwater which contain biofilms uh, dirt that is present there it's very hard to remove and you don't see that so what i often advise and, and Probably many of us know that, but it's uh, to do a maintenance wash uh, of the washing machine. Uh, running the washing machine at, uh, at, at the boiling um, uh, program with a bit of bleach, with a bit of uh, bit of uh, oxidative agents, um, let it run empty, just to rinse out all the yeah the biofilms, the bacteria that are, would be present in, in the tubes and in, uh, in, in, the, in the parts that we don't see, just to rinse that all out and uh, to to avoid having a musty washing machine over time. So um, again, the overview, um, over time we have a, a model buildup in fabrics. Man. Um, the wearing has a big impact uh, from our skin. There's a lot of uh, sebum, uh, apocrine sweat coming off. And if you smell it yourself, okay, your clothes can be smelly too, but not necessarily. The storing has a big impact, specifically synthetic textiles. They are very prone at developing a molder. Uh, there will be selective uh, enrichment of specific bacteria uh, that will, even though you don't smell yourself, but those specific bacteria will start uh, creating a bad scent uh, because of uh, the selective um, enrichment. The washing is also crucial. There's a lot uh, being, uh, being washed out, of course, but a lot has remained as well. A lot of living bacteria are present there. Uh, there's a big mix-up going on there. Uh, the bacteria from your Dirty socks will also go onto your sheet, onto your t-shirt, onto your underwear. Um, so that's that's important. Or, or even uh, your your roommate uh, microbiome will also be present on your clothes. Um, and it's it's also shown in uh, yeah, uh, in different researches that cohabiting uh, P 
people will share their microbiome. That can come from the table, can come from uh, anywhere, or from the floor, or from the, the things that you use. But much is coming from the washing machine, I have to say. And then, of course, the drying is also crucial. Slow drying versus fast drying versus sun drying. Um, the faster the drying, the better, because you want to have uh, your microbiome go down as fast as possible. You don't want to have it lingering and, and, and growing uh, in your in your shirts. Uh, specifically in Southeast Asia and in humid conditions, uh, that's 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 important and that's that, that also uh, is part of the problem. Why um, yeah, there's a molder uh, buildup going on there. So over time, uh, wash, rewear, and over time you lead to um, leads to permanently smelly clothes. Not the first time, not the second time, but after X amount of times uh, of rewearing. Um, it can be for uh, not necessarily all clothes, but some clothes are more prone to it than others. Um, and permanently smelly clothes is determined as permastink clothes, and it's a big uh, problem in industry. Um, I think we're all um, would be happy to find a solution for that, uh, but it have, it's, it's rather complex. It's complex on our skin, and it's even more complex on, on textiles. Um, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's uh, very interesting because actually that uh, goes to well together with uh, one of our consumer studies where we found out that smell in laundry is actually a number one reasons that people throw their clothes away, even though they can look fine and the fabric looks nice, you yeah. just can't get rid of the smell. Uh, so a few questions uh, before you can uh, probably we all expect to hear what you say as the solution, <laughs> but uh, from the audience, they have already asked a few questions around that lines, uh, first of all, about, about antibacterial laundry detergents. So you mentioned maintenance wash to get rid of the gunk that's mm -hmm. hidden. But what about the antibacterial laundry detergents? Will they affect the malodor? Um, they will have an impact, right? Uh, more, less bacteria means less odor. Um, we've done a study on that. Hopefully it will be published soon. Um, on one hand, it can remove odors, but on the other hand, it's also a bit the problem that you will lead. Um, yeah, you must you must think okay, your laundry machine remnants, antimicrobial conditions will remain there, and the microbiome in that washing machine in that water it will adapt to the situation. So it can lead to certain resistance over time to multi-resistant bacteria. So that's something to keep in mind. That um, if you go, yeah, you try to kill it all, it's you never can kill it all and there will always be bacteria that survive and uh, will become resistant against those conditions uh, even the hardest antibiotics they have uh, bacteria that, that become resistant to it so we cannot end up with a situation where there's yeah yeah if you if you try to do it all in laundry that's it's, it's going to start a, a major problem as well so we want to avoid having too much uh, multi-resistant bacteria uh, in something so daily as as, as laundry yeah. uh, washing I think it's in line with this uh, nano silver shirts where you actually want to keep microbes away but by doing it you have this yeah. cover that actually enriches them on your skin and yeah. usually those that are enriched are the opportunistic microbes that will cause this uh, cause the smell um yes so but what else can we do besides the maintenance washes and uh, um, fast drying and uh, so here, the question from the audience, what about adding sodium bicarbonate? Will that have an effect? Soda has uh, not necessarily antimicrobial, but is very effective in removing yellowness and, mm -hmm. and removing um, yeah, 
in keeping your clothes white. Um, so soda is a is very efficient in 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 in, 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 in yeah in attacking uh, yeah. that. But so you cannot really use it for colors. For colors, no. it's more difficult. Yeah, mm-hmm. you, need, you can need. So, but yeah, uh, maintenance wash uh, was advice. Um, um, uh, uh, there's you can use bleaching agents, uh, but again, for color, that's 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 difficult. Uh, peroxides. Uh, I mean, in hospital settings, it's still used and, and preferred. So all the clothes are are, are used with uh, uh, washed at high temperatures uh, with bleaching agent peroxides. Um, we should find yeah. Laundry detergents, which are which have effective uh, enzymes, which can remove um, body soils from from the fabrics as well. Um, but what we're also looking at, for instance, on, on, on skin, is uh, is the following, and I can give you a preview of uh, of the results. We're looking at an armpit microbiome transplants or armpit bacteriotherapy, um, and that's uh, we do that in the underarm region. So basically, we um, this person had a lot of uh, chlorine bacteria, lots of diversity, had an hedonic value of minus six. So that person, if you would sit next to him, you would definitely smell him. Um, this person has been suffering from this for his whole life. Uh, it's really debilitating. It's really uh, hard to to cope with, and there's there's really very few things they can do about it. So now we've been doing clinical trials on this, and we've been adding the good microbes that will um, will prevent uh, body odor. Will, they will start combating each other. Uh, so it's some, some some sort of spray that they apply on a daily basis, and we can see that a lot of uh, the arrows there, a lot of bacteria will be kicked out. It will be uh, selectively uh, kicked out of uh, of of the microbiome during uh, treatment and also after treatment. You can see that the good microbes are still present, and the microbiome is much more different as it was before. So that person went from uh, a minus six uh, after the treatment to minus two and after the placebo a minus one. So that, that person was super happy with the results. Um, he noticed it, his partner noticed it, everybody in his vibe, his clothes smell, I mean, his jacket. It was an, it was an eye-opening experience for him. So um, we're now looking into uh, making that available for people that really have heavy body odor. It's a very convenient solution for them. What we're also looking at is, uh, for instance, probiotic textiles, where we incorporate um, specific uh, good, uh, good smelling mi- microbes in the underarm region, for instance, or in the moist areas of of uh, of, of uh, clothes, um, so that uh, we don't necessarily have those bad microbes that will cause um, um, bad smells. It's all about the microbiome and keeping that balance. And if you can incorporate the good microbes there into textiles. Um, we also made sure that we can wash it so we can wear it over time. The microbes will be released over time. So that's something we're also uh, actively working on uh, so that can be serve as a solution for people that need it. Mm-hmm. Yes, and um, I think it's interesting with an arm, uh, armpit microbiome transplant, a little bit like probiotics for your gut, but uh, probiotics for your armpit. Yeah. Um, and... At first, I thought that that might not be so easy, but now we've talked and I've learned that you might make it available for broader audience soon. But you also mentioned something about laundry detergents. And uh, since you are at the webinar from Novozymes, we cannot get past by by saying a few words about what do we think that uh, that you could do. And uh, of course, I will now use your uh, cliffhanger and talk about removing body soils that can build up in fabrics. Um, during the time of washing and wearing and re-wearing. And uh, in Novozymes, we have recently launched a new enzyme, it's called Pristine, which is actually aimed to target this body soil, this sebum 
that Chris talked about that builds up in between the fabrics. So here you can see on the left side, it's a t-shirt washed with a regular detergent. And at the scanning electron microscope, you can see that, that the sebum soil is still stuck in the really small uh, uh, fibers. And this then will serve as a source to all those sweat and bacteria that comes within wearing that Chris also talked about. And over time, it will cause yellowing and graying and of course, malodor on your uh, laundry. Whereas when you wash it with the enzyme, we can see how the fabric uh, is much cleaner here. And we have done also a similar experiment where we took uh, electron microscope images of uh, fabric with uh, treated with different uh, conditions. And we can see that if a current formulation or a laundry sanitizer that you also touched upon, that uh, even though it can uh, kill the microbes, it is not often effective for a laundry sanitizer to lift away the dead cells from there or to lift away the gunk because the body soil sticks there as like a glue between the fiber and the, the dirt, which then builds up. Additionally, you can of course use perfume to mask the problem, but you don't really target it. So uh, with Novozymes Pristine, you can really get into the deep fabrics here and you can clear away this body soil or sebum that will then use as a glue to, uh, to, wash, to, wash, to wash it away to get it much cleaner. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, so I think uh, if you want to hear more about it, you can also reach out to us and uh, look at the materials that we downloaded. Uh, we have, I think, a few more minutes to check up some more questions here. Um, and uh, someone with us that goes around the microbiome of the clothes was the very beginning of the session. Someone asked about the secondhand clothes. Should we be worried what is hiding in there? Or uh, how would we uh, make sure that this secondhand item will not uh, make me have acne? Yeah, I wouldn't be worried about secondhand clothes because we we bought new clothes and even in the new clothes there's tons of bacteria. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just to the handling, the process, uh, the the shop, the, the people that they want to shop and don't buy it. Then uh, the handling itself leads to a lot of uh, skin-related bacteria going into that into those textiles as well. So I wouldn't be too worried about that. Even on the contrary, if uh, if you're lucky and that person smelled good. <laughs> um, that could even lead to yeah, good have established a good microbiome there that will prevent or sorry yeah, if there's a good microbiome present there it can help to prevent a uh, buildup of, of bad odors yeah yes exactly what we talked about over lunch that people with smelly feet should change socks with those with non-smelly feet to yeah, have a, yeah. to have a better experience a high micro a high diversity is, is preferred on skin also in textiles uh, if you lead up to a very um, narrow diversity low diversity that can it and if one goes down, the other one cannot take over the function, and as such, you can, it can it can lead to problems. Not necessarily, but it can. Uh, so, keeping a, a good balance is important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting because I mean, you know, also from my PhD studies, I studied all these interactions between microbes, and now having to think of it a all different way, it's uh, it's really eye opening, yeah. and especially how something we we smell can be a result of a small small microbe building up. Um, okay, we can check off some new questions here, but we didn't manage to reply at the beginning of uh, uh, of the seminar. Yes, we talked about wool textiles. Um, any suggestions on what is the best uh, best way to 
to test this uh, sweat odor. Um, have you had any successes in doing artificial sweat in the lab? And how does that smell? I know you said you've tried thousands of armpits. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, but how can we standardize this? Do you yeah. have any ideas around that? Yeah, yeah needs uh, artificial semen, artificial sweat. We developed also artificial sweat. Um, you know, it's complex. Eh? Uh, so we also try to make it as complex as possible. We used essentially human decomposed uh, from liposuction of human fat uh, that serves as a good basis, but still it wasn't exactly the same. Uh, the best way is still doing a wear trial, a rail trial, let people uh, reuse the textiles and, and then evaluate that as such. That's still the best way in vivo results, um, but it's more difficult to standardize, I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, thank you. We're, I can see we're almost running out of time and uh, it looks like we've managed to answer uh, most of the questions here. Um, thank you, Chris, and thank you all of you for being here. It's uh, always nice having you here and have so much questions and interactions here. Um, if you didn't get an answer to your question right now, feel free to reach out through us, uh, through Novozymes Engage site or your Novozymes uh, representative. Um, thank you, Chris, for joining me all the thank way you. from Belgium. And uh, we hope to see you again at another Novozymes webinar uh, very soon. And, uh, and yes? Yeah, and I'd like to thank you, of course, for your attention. And I'd like to thank uh, many uh, funding agencies. I did my work here in Belgium, also in the University of California, San Diego. Um, so thank you for all uh, their uh, support as well. Uh, and if you have any questions on my work, uh, you can reach out on my website or on uh, my email there. So feel free to uh, reach out to me. I think you can also follow you on Instagram as Dr. Armpit. Dr. Armpit, yeah, yes. the one and only. <laughs> <laughs> great. Well, thank you everyone uh, for today's session and uh, I hope you have a great rest of the day. Thank you.